How many people here are singers? Got any singers out there? Alex, you are a singer. Alex is a singer. He's always trying to hit that harmony third way up. God has made us all to sing. Some of us sing good. Some of us sing bad but joyful. So it kind of equals good. Some of us just afraid, like, don't even look at me when everyone's singing because I don't move a lip. The lower lip ain't even going to move here. But God has made us instruments of worship. Good voice, bad voice, average voice. He wants us to lift our voices and worship his name. And wonderful things happen when we sing. And God's actually wired us to, um, to be instruments of worship, to bring him glory and to actually find joy as we lift up his name. Today, I really want to talk about God with us in our singing. I actually believe one of the reasons that people love the Christmas season so much is because there's so much singing. And because there's so much music. We're on 106.7 on November 28th, like the Christmas music start yet. A lot of us sing a lot more during this month, and I'm telling you, it does a soul good. It does a soul good. Because music is made to lift up the soul. I, I don't know what some of your Christmas movies are, but I've shared. We're through three right now. We've done Home Alone, which Tal called Home. My daughter called Home Malone. She thought it was till she was about seven. We did Home Alone 1 and we did Home Alone 2 yesterday, which Natalie thinks better than the first. I think that's blasphemous. Let's move on from that. And then we watched, there's a little hidden gem called Rise of the Guardians. Anyone watch Rise of the Guardians? Maybe it's the child in me that loves that movie, but that is a great one. We watched that one, like I preached last week. You've got to do It's a Wonderful Life. It's part of the Christmas season. But another one that we watched this week, because um, it was on TV, how many people watch The Sound of Music? Doe Adair. Sometimes I get Mary Poppins mixed with Sound of Music, so I want to say a spoonful of sugar, but that ain't right. <laughs> Little Edelweiss, you know, all that good stuff. But even the premise of that movie is coldness had entered that family. Distance had entered that family. They traded in intimacy and love and warmth for legalism and rules and looking perfect on the outside. And what happened is the sound of music re-entered the house and they began to sing and they began to um, express love and they began to express joy and all of a sudden you saw the warmth and love spread throughout the family and a real freedom come through that. I pray that today, because this is so important for your spiritual journey, so important for you to know God, that many of us take the next step in singing, even in congregational singing in the, in, today and the coming months, that we learn the power in it as we sing and lift up our voice to magnify Jesus, which is the highest form of singing and song, is when we become instruments of worship. I pray that many of us in our personal life, some of us are afraid to sing alone. I pray that we begin to sing and use the voice that God gave us to thank him for his wonderful gospel, that his, God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, not only everlasting life after we pass from this life to the next, but now because we're reconciled through the power of the Holy Spirit to God. Amen? So I pray that we find the power with singing and actually see that God is with us in our singing. I'm going to actually read you a song. That's written by an author that we all know today, and I'm going to preach from this. A song written by Mary, who was a teenager who just had Jesus. Did you know Mary wrote a song in the Bible? It's called the Magnificat. 
It's a song of her magnifying God, that she's so overwhelmed with the power of God that she, as a humble servant, as an unknown poor girl, was chosen to be the vessel that the Son of God was, would be born through, that she's so overwhelmed with the gospel, really, with the love of God, that she writes a song to magnify God. And I just want to read that to you. You can look up on the screen or you can read in your Bibles. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Remember, this is a song. We have to picture Mary singing this. She says, my soul, or she sings rather, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servants Israel, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. It's a wonderful song, a beautiful song written by Mary the mother of Jesus, the mother of the Son of God. So we're going to focus on three things. We're going to focus on the author a little bit, God's chosen author of that song called the Magnificat. Secondly, we're going to talk about how God is with us in our singing to magnify Jesus and then really get to the heart of it, that God is actually with us in our singing. So Mary sees, and you can see from a song if you've been following along with this sermon series, She she sees Jesus as the fulfillment of the promise of the one who will crush the head of the enemy. In Genesis 3.15, we talked about that. She says, this is the one we have been waiting for. Her Her song is overwhelmed. I can't believe that the Messiah, the Christ, that you chose me, she's overwhelmed, to be the mom of the Messiah, the one who will save us. She actually sees her son as the savior of Israel. She said, God, you are my savior. You have chose this vessel, this instrument to give birth to the son of God who will save his people. We need to feel the power of that. And it causes her to be overwhelmed to the point that she magnifies God with everything she is. And I think this is at the heart of true worship when we sing. There's two main ingredients. There's a humble heart. Like, Mary could have been, with the wrong heart, getting that news, be like, you hear the news? Mom of the Son of God, you want to come to my party, you want to buy my t-shirt, you want to follow me on Instagram, right? I'm boasting, God chose me, that lifts me up, I'm everything, I must be something if God chose me. But no, Mary's heart, a pure heart, has the exact opposite reaction and response. She said, God, me, a poor girl from a poor town of humble and lowly estate, you chose me. I needed saving, you saved me through the very child I would give birth to. Do you guys see that in singing? See, 
Singing that honors God, singing that invites the presence of God, is singing that is so humble that, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. Lord, I know that I'm lowly. But that these lips and this heart and this voice gets to exalt you, that is everything to me. That is everything to me that I get to sing songs of your praise. Secondly, the best songs, the most powerful songs, the highest form of song is one, songs that are centered on Jesus and his magnification. If you look to a song, get the heart of it, and it's about the glory of God's own son who came to be born as a baby during this Christmas season, we celebrate that, live a perfect life, overcome the enemy, die for our sins, be buried, rise again, talk about his glory and majesty. That's the highest form of song and the highest form of singing is when we're singing songs where that's at the center, amen? So the most powerful singing has a humble heart, a humble and lowly heart, and it magnifies Jesus at its core. That's actually what we were made for. She's singing because she realizes that Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies that she's been waiting for. We talked about Genesis 3.15, the one who would crush the head of the enemy. Micah 5, 2 says they'll be born in Bethlehem. Now, these prophecies were hundreds of years before Jesus came. Micah 5, 2, she says, I had this baby in Bethlehem. She realizes that he will be the child who is the prince of peace, who the government will rest on his shoulders. Says that in Isaiah 9, 6, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. She sees all these things and she's overwhelmed. And most of all, she sees in Isaiah 7, 14, behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth. To Jesus. She says, I'm the one who was prophesied about, and he's the one who will save us. And she breaks out into song. Is that not powerful? See the gospel there? And it causes us to sing because the right response when you get a hold of the gospel is the Holy Spirit moves you to sing from your very core about the glory of Jesus. And when you're in the presence of God, when you're in that kind of glory, you see Jesus is high and you see yourself as very low. And that's a wonderful place to be. Actually, you'll never be happier or more joyful than, you know, the lower you get. And one person said, some people don't see God because they don't look low enough. Some people don't see God because they don't look low enough. They're looking in worldly exaltation, not a dying, suffering servant on a cross. They don't want to look that low. My God can't be that low. But to look that low is to actually see the God-man laying down his life for his children and his people in his world that he loves so very deeply. And when you get moved by that truth, the proper response, the great response, is singing. So secondly, we'll stay on that, de- that theme that God is with us to cause us to magnify his son through singing. Now, you know, your soul will sing about that which makes you happiest automatically. Whatever brings you the greatest joy or brings you a bunch of joy, you'll sing, whether it's with a funny voice or whether it's with you're trying to get real serious and hit the no, whether you're just trying to sing bads because you're just like, forget it, I'm a bad singer, let it go. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll share a lighter, lighter um, story to try to get at the heart of this to show you that we sing about those things we love. It just happens. When I was 19 or 20 years old, I got an apartment with a few of my buddies who were my roommates. And so I was an electrical apprentice, so I never got used to it, but I had to get up at like 5 in the morning. I really couldn't see straight till 10 in the morning, but I'd show up at the job, right? 
my buddy, one of the, one of the guys that lived there, he was a, um, a Home Depot manager, so he had different kind of hours he worked. So one day I'm sick, and he thinks I'm gone out of the house, and he's home, and I hear singing come from the other room. Now, my buddy liked to eat. I hear a song like, oh, pizza roll, oh, pizza roll, oh, pizza roll, oh, pizza roll. And I'm like, this is too good. I don't want to let him know I'm here. I was like, this unbelievable. This dude's singing from his heart about pizza rolls. It's just overflowing from the soul. He started breaking down, oh, pizza roll, oh, pizza roll. Like he was getting high and low. And finally, I said, bro, kick the door. What are you doing right now? And he was so embarrassed, but his soul loved pizza rolls so much it overflowed. I'm trying to give you a lighter story to tell you you're going to sing about those things you love. It just happens. It just happens. Some of you sing about Cane's Donuts, about Lisa's Pizza, whatever it is. We sing about those things that our hearts love. When a heart loves God, When Jesus is the apex of all our emotions, he's the highest. Our soul becomes overwhelmed and we begin to sing and it can't be contained and we lift up our voice because the gospel is so beautiful and powerful to us. Amen. I mean, I see some of you with tears in your eyes. I see some of you almost in laughter because you realize the freedom of the gospel. I see some of you realize that God really saved a sinner like me and he's shown me grace day by day. And I see those holy, religious, awesome affections in your soul. And I love that. And God is pleased because that is the highest form of worship. When we see that gospel and our heart can't contain it, the fear of man can't stop it. We don't care who hears us. And we lift up our voice in unison to praise the one we love King Jesus that is an amazing thing that is a powerful thing that's an awesome thing actually if you read through Luke within one chapter are roughly verses that will make up one chapter you see everybody's singing everybody's singing Mary's singing Zachariah who is John's father he's singing John the Baptist's father he's singing the the cosmos open up the spiritual realm opens up. Even the angels are singing. Like you see Zechariah. Zechariah is waiting for the Messiah. This is the father of John the Baptist. And he gets word that his son is going to be part of the plan. And his son is going to preach and prepare the way for the Savior. Who will free the world and save the world and forgive the sins and save Israel. And he's so overwhelmed by this news when his son is born that he breaks out in the song. And I want to share some of those lyrics from this song from Zechariah says he was moved by the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David you see the story all coming together for the from the lyrics too he says as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy that he promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we be de- being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all his days. That's another song. See, those, those are lyrics to a song. 
And you see him putting the story together? The prophets prophesied it. Abraham was waiting for it. Our our fathers were here. He's saving Israel. All the plan, they see Jesus as the fulfillment of that plan, and they break out in the song. How about the shepherds? Now, the shepherds were the truck drivers of the day. Do you know that a shepherd was considered so low in society, he wasn't even allowed to witness in court because they said there's no truthful shepherds. Like, what's the law? Is he shepherd? His word's not good here in court. So they were considered so low. But who does God choose? This is a wonderful thing about our God in this humble, holy kingdom. He goes to the truck drivers. He goes to the shepherds. He opens the veil. They're in there just minding their own business. And they see heaven opened up. And the angels are just saying, glory to God in the highest. They're just breaking it down. They're like the Savior's being born. Song fills. Even the cosmos are filled with singing because God is with us. That's the natural response to anyone made by the Creator who understands the salvation that has come in Jesus is to sing with all their heart. And he's like, go and sing. And everybody's singing. That's the point. Because that's the proper and holy response to the arrival of the God-man being born of a virgin to save us. God is with us in our singing. Because this is the kind of heart of what I want to get at here. That God is with us, actually with us in our singing. That when we sing, we actually experience the presence of God in a very mysterious and powerful and holy way. You know, John Stott is one of my favorite uh, pastors from the 20th century. He just showed the fruit of the Spirit, gave his whole life to following Jesus. And I often share this with you guys because there were different facets of the interview. But they asked him, what made him feel so the most alive? What makes you feel the most alive? He was 91 at the time, and he was getting ready. He would pass away at roughly 93 and meet his Savior. And he says, he started with this. He says, when I'm in the congregation of those who believe, and we're singing praises to God, that's when I feel most alive. Do you feel that, all those who love God? He said, I feel the most alive because, and I'm just reading into it a little bit, he talked, and I'm paraphrasing, because you actually experience the presence of God, God in us, the Holy Spirit dwells all who believe. His spirit intertwined with our spirit. God in us to cause us, you know, the major work of the Holy Spirit If you want to know how the Holy Spirit works, anywhere where the name of Jesus is lifted up, that's where the Spirit of God is moving. Even the scriptures say that. If they're lifting up the name of Jesus as the Son of God, that he gave his life, that he died, that he rose again, the second person of Trinity, if they're lifting up and magnifying him, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says when he's there in that, that he actually feels the presence of God, and that's when he feels most alive. And let's look deeper into this. We are instruments of worship. God has actually wired you to be an instrument of worship. For those who are born of the Spirit of God, when you actually begin to lift up your voice in faith from a pure and humble heart, in unison with the people of God, what happens is we start to see by the eyes of faith, and we actually, our senses become aware that God is with us, that God is around us, that God is for us, and that God did give His Son Jesus. Amen? And that's why people come up after, like, wow, I really felt the presence of God today. 
What they're really saying is, we really as instruments of worship came together as one heart to do what we were made for. And as we lift up our name and song, God in us, we realized that God was with us and our senses became aware that there's a God who loves us and his presence was felt all around. And that's very powerful. That's something that's very accessible to us. And that's the power of faith in a real God who really sent his son, who we celebrate as Christmas, to give us life. I want to give you a few application points here for those who want to take the next step in singing. Bring your voice to the congregational singing as a gift to God. Bring your voice that God has given you to congregational singing. Some say, you don't want my voice. I don't, but God does. No, I do. (laughs) That one took a little marinade. No, I love good voices, bad voices, okay voices, loud voices, low voices, because it's all about the heart, and that's what God sees. It's all about the heart. And a heart is really, I believe, operating purity when it's lifting up his or her voices or our voices to God. Now, I'll start here. It has real benefits for you and me when we sing. And so I'm a guy that appreciates, like, I like science because I think science, when studied, is just an examination of what God has done, and I don't think we need to be afraid of it. I'm just not that guy. I have too much faith for that. Like, I'm not afraid they're going to discover something. There's no God. I, I just think you're going to keep getting closer to the point where you say, this got to be a God, right? And so I want to give you some stuff that happens in your body, in your mind when you sing. First of all, it strengthens your immune system. You're getting a cold all the time. You need to sing. All you with the sniffles out there, lift up your voice, will you? It strengthens your immune system when you sing. They study this. Singers are healthier. Second, it's a natural antidepressant. It actually sends endorphins into your system that is a happy, they call it the happy, joyful chemical. When you sing, it actually sends chemicals into your system that make you happier. God wired you as an instrument in his image that when you sing, it actually moves your system to make you more joyful and happy and fulfilled. It promotes mental alertness. They use it for Alzheimer's treatment because it moves the blood circulation and raises the oxygen levels when you sing. They use it as treatment, just singing. Actually, I used to be part of a nursing home ministry. We'd go, and some of the best thing you'd ever hear in is in nursing homes. First of all, they know every hymn for the past 300 years. And brothers just hitting harmonies like 92, just ah. It's some of the best singing around. It's it's so powerful because it's doing something to you and me made in the image of God. It's promoting our spiritual and soul health and even affecting our body. If you have muscle tension, do you know that singing lowers cortisol levels, the stress hormone that really makes you feel stressed? It actually lowers those. God has wired us to sing. And I want us to sing that like see that and sing that as we grow as followers of jesus one of the greatest ways we grow spiritually is to become more unwilling singers and worshipers of jesus so that's the first thing it's really beneficial for your soul for you to sing for me to sing 
Secondly, it's beneficial to others. You know, listening to music can have a similar effect. Listening to music that magnifies Jesus has the most powerful effect. Do you know that the brokenhearted, if they come in here one day and they say, I'm so brokenhearted, I can't even sing. When we as a family of God lift up our voices to Jesus, it helps them be restored. When people walk in here and they're feeling despair and they're feeling like there's no hope and we're singing of the greatest hope, Jesus, that you know it lifts up their souls and gives them hope. That's the power of music and of song. We get to bring life to so many people just through our singing and our faith. We're actually made for this. And thirdly, when we bring our voice to congregational singing, we glorify our Father in heaven. It pleases God when we walk and we act as the instruments he made us to be and when our hearts love him more than anything and it for our song follows our hearts, it is so pleasing to our heavenly Father. It's such a great act of worship. It, in a metaphorical way, brings a smile to God's face when his children worship him. And the way God made us, and many theologians like John Piper and other people through the, the um, years have told us and taught us that God's glory and our joy are so intertwined that you really can't separate them. Like as you glorify God, as I glorify God, as we glorify God together, you cannot glorify God without becoming joyful. They're intertwined. To glorify God is to find our greatest joy. To sing to God is to be fulfilled. So as we glorify God, we find the joy that our heart looks for every day. And it's really something like, some people like, you, joy isn't something you just get and all of a sudden you have for the next 30 years. I got joy, I'm good for the next decade, let's do this. It's something that every morning you wake up and if you're something like me or most sinners I know, Joy is not the first thing that meets you in the morning. It's a beeping alarm clock that you want to elbow smash. It's, did the coffee start today with the alarm? Because I don't want to have to put it in. It's all that fleshly stuff. We have to actually be intentional with our will to get our mind set on the gospel so we become joyful. And really, a heart sings the most when it learns to rehearse that gospel every day and remind ourselves and those around us through encouragement that God is for us and the gospel is just as good today as it was yesterday and it will be even better tomorrow. Amen? You know, eternity is going to be wonderful, be joyful for all eternity because the gospel is going to be in our face every day and Jesus is going to be lifted up every day. And guess what's going to happen in heaven? Singing. You're going to be saying, do you like it or not in heaven? I don't think you can be that grumpy in heaven when you don't sing because everyone's just going to be so overwhelmed by the beauty of God, the power of God, the love of God, the fact that God is with us, that the streets, that every place, every eternal home will be filled with the praises and the song of God because God is with us in our singing. Amen? So this Christmas season, you've got a few days Let's sing to our God. Let's sing to our God as a spiritual act of worship. Let's sing today as our children sing. Let's think of the glory of God in that, that the next generation is singing praises to a God who loves them. Is that awesome? 
And just let songs fill our life because God is with us. And as we do that, we'll feel the pleasure of God. We will please God and we will lift up those who are around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful gift that we can uh, sing to you. That we can offer praises and, and singing in our hearts and song and lift our voices in unison, Father. I pray that you help us find the joy in singing, that you develop us as singers, that most of all, Lord, that we'll come to you with a humble heart that sees your grace towards us and just wants to magnify the name that we consider above all, the name of Jesus. Help us with that, Father. Help us with that. We just love you so much. Amen.